Welcome to the seventh episode of the Pointless Podcast. Oh, this will also be our final episode. Oh, at least while we are here. Cry. No one knows what's going to happen when we get back to the Netherlands, but we'll see. Yeah. And today we are joined by a very special guest. Very. Our teacher, Manuel. Hey guys, <laughs> I'm finally here. <laughs> he is. Thank you for joining us. No, of course. We had a hard time getting in Manuel. Yeah, yeah. Yes. most very busy guy. Very busy guy. He's a very busy man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm sure it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, but first, louder. Let's roll the intro. Cool. Um, this is the last episode <laughs> of the Pointless Podcast. <laughs> The last episode. Welcome to the pointless podcast. Welcome to the pointless podcast. This is the intro of the pointless podcast with Brian, Manuel, and me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Manuel. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, could you maybe introduce yourself? Well, my name is Manuel Casanueva. I'm your teacher. Of course, you know that. And mm -hmm. uh, I was born in 1980, so I'm 42. Mm -hmm. And I was born in Ritoque. I don't know if you know Ritoque. Have I you did. ever been there? You told us. So it's a very big, big beach. And uh, it's really interesting because I was born in an artistic community in the middle of dictatorship. How weird is that? That yeah. is pretty weird. Yeah, my dad was an artist, an architect. So uh, they moved in the 70s, right? To uh, He's a teacher. He was a teacher at the University Católica. And they started this project, this architecture project in the 70s. And uh, some families, teachers, went there to live. And uh, that's where I was born. 1980, in the middle of the beach. I The first time I took a bus, I think, was when I was 13 years old. Can you imagine? <laughs> so when you talk about rural, <laughs> I'm the poster kid for that. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say it was kind of a community on its own? Yeah, it was a completely isolated community from the rest. And uh, very lively and with a lot of culture. And that was very odd for dictatorship. Because mm. usually dictatorship yeah. deprives you of culture. So I think I was born in a, in such a different uh, scenario than all the rest of my generation that I I think I'm very a very strange Chilean actually. <laughs> mm. so, so how much did you know about the dictatorship growing up there? I really had no idea. Um, it's it's really amazing, but the thing about dictatorship is that it's very secretive. Uh, we only had three TV channels, of course, of course, they were all official. So the information mm -hmm. that we had was just basically, you know, Pinochet or, uh, inaugurating some housing projects, for instance, right? So that's why it took you to the street art, because really the information, what people thought was on the walls of the, ci of the city, mm -hmm. you know? So freedom of speech is something that, that during dictatorship, of course, it affects you. You can't say what you think. Imagine living in an artistic community in the middle of a dictatorship. Hmm. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> so it was it was very different and very exciting. And um, I, I left that community when I was 12 or 13. And I went into the city. And it was such a new experience living in the city, you know? 
Mm. So that was when you first really came into contact with yes, living in a dictatorship. Living in a dictatorship. You didn't but know before. I, I knew it, but I was young yeah. and just like not reg registering anything. It was just when I entered the city and I realized, wow, this is different, mm. you know. And then really when I came in, when I started universities, when I started studying what had happened, so that's my first real contact with Chilean recent history, actually. You know? did, did you then also become aware of how it influenced you? And You know, um, because of living in this artistic community, I think I feel that I'm not as damaged as I should have been by it. I always had, I always knew what freedom meant and, and what it entailed. So I've always been a very f free person. You know, nobody can tell me what to do. I do it on my own, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's yeah. a really big contrast, I think, like <laughs> living in an art artistic community like during dictatorship. It was all like yeah, completely and, different worlds. And, uh, to be honest, I don't think I've been able to understand the whole thing. It's just that there are parts of my life that are so, you know, one part here, one part there. I don't think they will ever integrate, <laughs> you know? So I don't have a clear answer about it. Just yeah. Just saying it, it was very different from the norm. Hmm. So did you do you think like growing up there positively affected you in comparison to other Chileans? Like experiencing that kind of freedom and uh, especially after the, the dictatorship, it was maybe easier for you to, to find your way in society because of that? I think it was the opposite. Oh, really? Yeah. I think, you know, when I was little, uh, my house, since my dad was an architect and he was an artist he mm -hmm. built the strangest house <laughs> nothing was normal <laughs> so when i was little i was just i just wanted to be normal i just wanted to have a white picket fence house a mickey mouse t-shirt yeah <laughs> and regular parents <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so during my childhood i was very resentful of that but then i grew up and i realized how cool it all was mm -hmm. you know and I wasn't the only kid growing up there. So this is something common that I have with other kids that oh, yeah. grew up in this. Are you still in contact with a lot of them? Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a big family. You know, we share this thing that no one else shares. So it's for life. Was it tough during your childhood? Um, I think it was tough because of not fitting in. Right. I mean, in childhood, you want to fit in. For sure. That's, that's a whole game, you know. So... It taught me that I was different and it taught me to appreciate being different mm -hmm. and doing things in a slightly different way than the rest. But it is, it's also, it has a price. You have to pay a, a price for your freedom, right? The society, and especially Chilean society, is very conservative. There's a specific way of doing things, you know. I should be married with seven kids by now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, very traditional in yeah. that sense. So you have to make your own decisions and be yourself whatever the cost that's what i learned from childhood okay so this is the pointless podcast what other pointless questions <laughs> let me think um yeah maybe we discovered during this podcast that it wasn't so pointless after all i don't think it's pointless, <laughs> but that's the name of the podcast so let's keep it let's keep the front exactly how how did all of this um, lead um, to you becoming a teacher for international students? Well, it was, I studied, first I studied law. 
Right. And I was really good at it, guys. Okay. But I hated it. <laughs> and one day I woke up really early in the morning and I said, you know, that this is not my life. This is not me. So I packed my bags and went to Chicago. And I went to the University of Chicago. It's a really cool school. And, and just started taking free classes to see what I wanted to do. And my passion was always languages. So I studied philosophy to study Greek and Latin. <laughs> so I, I entered because of classic languages and um, I was a really good student and I cared about the grade. You know, I, I'm so different now. You have, you change so much over time. Like you have several lives in one lifetime. So one of my lives was being very competitive and like the number one student. The one good thing that came out of it is that they offered me a scholarship, not a scholarship, they offered me a class to teach a class in university as an award. So my first class was at 24 years old. Mm. I was super young. All my students were older than me. And it was crazy. So I, it started as an accident, really, because of good grades. And I never really thought that I was going to be a teacher. But one thing led to the other. And it just sort of happened. It sort of started happening, and they started calling me. And, and suddenly, out of the blue, Someone called me because, um, you know, tourism in Chile is relatively new. Because of dictatorship, mm -hmm. you know, tourists started pouring in in the 90s, but it was only in the 2000s that we actually had like the student programs, right? So they called me and they're saying, we're opening, the first students are coming and you speak English. So I said, okay, let's do it. Plus, when I lived in this community, we had all sorts of gringos coming in to visit. So I was very young and I, I grabbed the gringos and showed them around. So in a way, it's something that I've always done in my life, yeah. like showing gringos around. <laughs> <laughs> just keep doing it. Yeah, I just kept doing it. You know, for some reason, uh, the world wanted me to do it. So. But it, it's been amazing. I feel like I live on an airplane. I feel like I, it's people from all over uh, the world. Yeah, like that. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's cool. all languages, all places and... We build this community for this four months that you guys are here, but it's a really powerful community and and it's not going to go away. Like everything is a memory now. Mm -hmm. You you guys yeah. are leaving Chile. The next thing you know, you're going to be in your country and working, whatever. Mm -hmm. So everything will be a memory, but relationships that are formed here, in my experience, last for a lifetime. Really? Yeah. Oh. I've had students that are married, yeah. babies. <laughs> so all sorts of things, you know? So it's pretty real. So I don't want you to think that just because it's four months, it's not real. No. Yeah, and it's not over. And it's that. not over at all. It, it continues and we built a solid community. So yeah. that is, it's going to last for sure. Are you still in contact with uh, students that studied here or international students that oh, studied yeah. here many years? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean... Part of being a teacher is wanting, wanting your students to thrive and be successful. So, of course, it's from time to time you get an email from a student. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, you know what? I really like this class or blah, blah, blah. And that's really nice. And you, you feel part of their success in a sense, in a very tiny way, of yeah. course, right? But it's about growing and evolving. And, and yeah, I keep in touch with a lot of my students. Some of them never really want to see me again. <laughs> I don't blame really? them. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but some of them, yeah, I keep 
in close contact. I think my students, for me, after they they they're students, they're friends, you know, yeah. because yeah. they tolerated you for four months nonstop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, even during this uh, uh, program, we've been friends. Yeah, I mean, I've got your WhatsApp number. Yeah, I can text you in the evening, and you respond within ten minutes. That's something that. Me and Brian have never really been used to it no. this way, and because it's, we always thought in the Netherlands, like the um, the power relations aren't really that big or that long, and that like teachers or professors are pretty close to the students. And only in, in Chile we discovered here that that's actually not really the case. Yeah, it doesn't mean that we're gonna go out together during yeah. the night. No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that there's still healthy boundaries between teachers and students. Yeah, but I don't. I really like to be horizontal in my relationships. I don't yeah. like this whole thing about instilling fear on students and you have to memorize this and do this and the grade and the attendance, which is, you know, you have to do what you have to do, but education is not about that. Mm. Education is much more about um, helping people evolve and I guess in a way just opening windows or doors for people to to change their perception of reality and basically change their perception of themselves. And I think that's what happens when you travel. I, I believe that in your, one of your podcasts, you you were talking about being able to have this new personality while, while you're in jail. Yeah. Like you can reset yourself. Yeah. And that's precisely, it's like speaking a different language. You speak Dutch, English, and a little bit of Spanish, I imagine. So <laughs> come on, come on. Be positive, be positive. I think... With each language comes a different personality. Mm. With each culture comes a different personality. And, and the best way to change is traveling by far. Mm. Um, your perceptions um, now, you, I mean, you come from the Netherlands. It's such a developed country. I love the Netherlands. It's so out there. I think it's what Europe doesn't have the courage to be, like in terms of architecture, of, mm. of how modern it is and how... I mean, there are problems, of course, yeah. but it's still a pretty equal society. It's it's still it is a pretty good country to, yeah. to live in, and yeah. like the, the the standard of living is is pretty good. It's pretty good. So That's to would say, to leave definitely. that standard and to come to South America yeah. to see the problems that we have, then you will see it in a different light yeah, when you exactly. go back. Yeah. You know, it's not for granted. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You've taught us. Um, Latin American culture and identity, yeah, um, and socialism, capitalism, and communism in yeah. Latin America. Yeah, um, how how come you decided to teach these subjects? Well, um, Latin American culture first began as pre-Columbian civilizations, and I really wanted to teach pre-Columbian civilizations because it's a, it's a topic that has been hidden away yeah. for so many years. So, but then very few students were interested. So I changed it up to Latin American culture and I left the second chapter as pre-Columbian. Uh, right. right. Yeah. So the whole idea was to first not be a cliche. It, I wanted this class to be honest and I, I didn't want it to be about PowerPoints and this is the national flower and this is the date of our <laughs> independence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I had a good friend in my 20s and this friend took me to the fisherman and he said, you know, these people are amazing and they have such good advice. And I, I went with the, out with the fisherman at 20 and I just never stopped going. 
because they're really amazing people. They have a lot of knowledge. And I just decided that you guys should experience what I experienced in my 20s. Mm-hmm. So I just went, at, basically the core is, is going to meet interesting people or people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. And capitalism, socialism is a really tough class to teach. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult subject, yeah. a lot of dates, a lot of stuff. But I still wanted it wanted to be honest in terms of what do you guys need to take away from Latin America? What are the lessons to be learned here? Yeah especially coming from Europe or the States or Australia, right? So it's about the shortcomings of democracy and uh, incomplete democracy, if you will, and uh, development and the challenges of development in Latin America. Because going back to uh, Latin uh, uh, culture and identity, Latin American culture and identity, um, what you were saying about the pre-Columbian Latin America, yeah, I think like what we learn in, in, in high school or in primary school about South America only starts after Columbus, like yeah. before it didn't really exist. So that's what I really appreciated about this class is, of course, we knew there was a Latin America before uh, Columbus arrived there, but we never really knew anything about it. I mean, of course, we have heard about the uh, Mayans and like Aztecs and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so that was uh, what I found really interesting and it really broadened our horizons and what's really amazing here in latin america is that people actually live outside of capitalism they live like they people lived 600 years ago yeah and you can see communities just living off the land and practicing their ancient religion it's just such an amazing window into our past and i think we can learn a lot of lessons from them you know just especially us I mean, you guys, your generation has a screen. You were born with a screen. So it's a really difficult thing to remove yourselves from the digital era and and to go analog, if you will. But uh, there's so many lessons to be learned from people that seem humble and they're marginalized, but the level of wealth in their culture is amazing. And they were really helpful and very generous. So, yeah. Yeah, you think we have um, maybe uh, a lot of this knowledge of these indigenous people has been has gotten lost over the years? Yes, but then if you go to Bolivia, yeah, it's, it's still, still there. there, and if you go to Peru, you're st- it's still there. Mm. So, and Chile is developed, yes, but you scratch the surface and you still find the old ways. Mm-hmm. I, what I like about Chile is that I don't really like Chilean cities. But what I like is the fact that you just move 20 minutes away from yeah. from the city and it's a completely different world, Yeah, you know? That's what really surprised me here. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very thin layer of development that we have. Hmm. But apart from that, it's still, we still live the way we used to. So that, I find that fascinating. That's true. Why do you think that um, um, these communities of indigenous people, like the Mapuche we visited, uh, has continued to exist in, in South America and that's something like this like never really kept on existing in Europe or, or somewhere else. Ah, uh, you have it in Australia, for example, but like... Oh, well, in Australia, you had the reduction system yeah, yeah. that was so violent. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to think that the Mapuches are the only ones that were actually able to fight off the Spaniards. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's hundreds and hundreds of years of war. So, yeah, and... I don't know how they managed to do it, but they did. Yeah. You know, and the conflict, unfortunately, is still pretty much alive mm-hmm. in the South. 
So it's a topic that we still need to address and resolve in a sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. How, how would you define uh, Chile with all these? Can you define Chile? Can you? Yeah. That's Could a, you that's... define Chile in one sentence? Or yeah. do you think something like that oh, is wow. impossible? That's impossible. Right? Let me think about it. Um, what I like about Chile, what makes Chile different and special, it's how humble, open, and generous the people are. That's what I really enjoy about my country. Um, the people and the landscapes. Yeah. You know, the fact that we are virtually an uninhabited country. I mean, outside of Santiago and Viña, there's not much out there. So the nature is still pretty raw. And to be honest, I've never seen uh, skies like in Chile. The sky, the color of, of the lands, of, of sorry, the sunset, the sunrise. It's just, I've never seen a sunrise anywhere else more beautiful than in Chile. There are, of course, many bad things about being here, you know, as you've probably seen, the inflation is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but overall, I think it's, I love it because it's my land. I love it because of the people and just the landscape. And it's very simple and down to earth. And um, I feel that in the developed world, it's it's much lonely. It's very lonely and competitive. And uh, the the idea that you can form a community and that community has your back is what is really important. So I mean, after the pandemic, I think I learned how important it is to to have a community that backs you up and and create bonds that are special, you know, and that long lasting and and to cultivate good friendships is really, really important. Um, just being open and, and receive and learn to receive from people. That's not as simple as it sounds. Yeah. You no. know? Re receiving mm -hmm. help, for instance, is very difficult, especially for us. We're taught not to be yeah, you have to vulnerable. Put your pride aside. Yeah. Exactly. You, you're taught to be prideful and competitive and sorted out on your own and the reality is that life doesn't work that way and if if you if you continue that path is going to be a very you know mediocre life you're going to miss out on on learning and changing which is the whole point of life yeah there's no other point you think maybe think that um the western world has leaned a little bit too much that way like being uh, too individualistic absolutely or, yeah. absolutely and it's a shame really Because we don't, we really don't need to. We really don't need to, to be like that. Um, just thinking about ourselves and what is important for us and me, 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 me. That's a recipe for unhappiness, <laughs> honestly. Because you're not going to be happy in yourself ever. It's it's never going to be enough. Um, I'm, I mean, and it's not just about cultivating friendships. It's about helping people. Um, having meaning in your life, having content, looking for meaningful things to do and keep that passion for what's meaningful. You know, in, in that sense, I love education because it's meaningful because you create meaningful relationships with people. But I guess the challenge for you guys, you won't be teachers. You'll do something else. How to keep meaning in a corporate world, for mm -hmm. instance. That's going to be your yeah. challenge if you decide to go that route. Um, and I think... Purpose and meaning comes with doing, being part of something larger than yourself. 
something that, yeah, it's larger than yourself. But that can also be quite dangerous, right? Everything has a cost <laughs> in life. If we, we we were talking about a dictatorship, and that's also like something larger than yourself uh, to be a part of. of, of oh, nationalist oh that's what you mean. Right? Yeah, no, no. I mean, larger than yourself in the sense that we want to fix this, right? Yeah. We, we all know that the world is dying. Like, come on. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, like being a servant to your own values, really. Yeah. 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 Being a servant to your own values. Having values and knowing what your values are. I know it sounds cliche, but it's really important after after you start working, after you graduate school, it's really important to be clear on, on what your values are and what your purpose is because you can get easily lost in paying bills and making money and da 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 da, da Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So finding passion, finding meaning, finding purpose, whatever that means for you, it's not easy. It it requires a sacrifice. Nothing in life is for free, but it's definitely, definitely worth it mm -hmm. to reach out and do things for others, not because of a narcissistic impulse, but because you really want to change someone's life. And we are so privileged, you know, we're here in college. I mean, how many people are in college in the world? How many people are able to travel? Mm -hmm. We have so much that a giving a little bit is, is part of it, I guess. Yeah, so we have to make use of it and give back. Basically. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. it sounds cliche, but it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really important, guys. Yeah. Like, trust me, I'm 42, like, and I, I've realized that my life wouldn't be the same if I didn't have my students or, or my Mapuches or my fishermen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's about reaching out to different communities and uh, being helpful. People need help in all sorts of ways. We, no one teaches us to live. Nobody gives us, there's not a syllabus for life, <laughs> unfortunately, right? Yeah. So life has its, it will throw some curveballs for sure. And the unexpected things in life is what changes you and changes the trajectory of your life and things that you cannot control. Because that's really important to understand that there are things that are outside of your control that will impact you and will change you. And sometimes for the better. And I think all changes for the better. Uh, it's It might be painful. You know, you might lose someone you love, you know. Uh, but you think it makes you a richer person in the end? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, half my family died mm -hmm. in an accident. So I know about it. And it changed my life. It was very dark. I, I went through a period of darkness, I think, six, seven years. And... But without it, I wouldn't have found my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I find that sharing what happened to me or sharing any of my experiences helps me cope with it, but also helps other people. So, in, in, I mean, to summarize, be transparent, be open, put yourself out there. Not everybody's going to like it, but who cares, <laughs> right? We're not made of diamonds. Not, not everybody wants us, but as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're honest, you know, things will work out eventually. How, how did you confront your own personal challenges? <sighs> well, uh, in a very imperfect manner. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've made a lot of mistakes, and I think I... 
I have experienced a lot of failure because of those mistakes, just in being immature, you know. Um, but I really, what changed me after everything was in the pandemic, I was locked for a year, you know. So I, a friend called me and said, you know what, there's this thing called meditation. And I was like, yeah, I've heard about it, da da da. Yeah. And, but for the first time, I started practicing it. And it's a very difficult thing, meditation. It's by no means easy. It's just basically learning how to sit uncomfortable with yourself. <laughs> so uh, meditation led to Kabbalah, which is a branch of Judaism that I'm studying. Um, and Kabbalah is about reaching your higher self through exercises of meditation and connecting to God and da da da. And that has really, really opened my eyes to a whole new different world. And now the external things that happen don't affect me as much. Okay. So I would recommend... In, inner peace, basically. Yes. And it's like, think about it like this. You brush your teeth every day. Yeah. You brush your mind every day because it, it gets filthy. You know, you have to meditate to rinse your brain from all negative thoughts. And that's something that I cannot stress it enough that it's like brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. Like really meditate five minutes a day. Download Calm. It's an app. It's okay. easy. So how do you meditate? What do you do? <sighs> I meditate lying down. Okay. I start with breathing for 10 minutes. Then I start meditating and I've meditated up to three hours, sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes a minute. It really doesn't matter. It's just the fact that you're doing something something for yourself. You're creating a space for yourself, a healthy place for yourself to process everything that is going on. So that's how I've basically dealt with my myself. <laughs> Meditation, guys. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You also told us a story about you um, hitchhiking for... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a crazy story. Yeah, I went, I took a plane. <laughs> I took a plane to Ecuador. And I decided to hitchhike all the way from Ecuador to Chile. This was when you were 20, right? Uh, tw I don't remember, 23, 24, okay. maybe your age, something okay. like that. Yeah. And you lost your mother? No, my sister and my dad. Okay. So I was crazy back then because I couldn't handle it. It was too sudden and it was too violent and shit like that happens, of course. Mm -hmm. But I decided to grab my bag and just leave because that's what I needed. I needed a reset. And I traveled alone. I absolutely recommend traveling alone. It's the best experience. And I just started hitchhiking, not knowing where I was going or how long was it going to take, you know. And I met wonderful people along the way. And I just ended up spending nights and nights in pyramids in the middle of ruins. You know, it was just crazy. And hitchhiking was amazing. Now, I don't know if it's dangerous. It wasn't dangerous when I was there, but... Um, just exploring Peru. Peru is one of my favorite places in the world. I mean, the amount of different cultures that they have. Every district is a different language, you know, and so ancient and beautiful. So it was a really, really good experience. I recommend you guys, maybe not hitchhiking nowadays, I don't know, <laughs> but definitely traveling, traveling on your own, not knowing where you're going. That's the best trip you will ever have. Guess what, what did you learn from it? What did you take from it? What did I take from it? Um, a connection. I mean, for me, Peru is a place of connection to something higher, right? Mm -hmm. When you are in the middle of the ruins, uh, 
it's just there's something in the air there's an energy there if you've been to Machu Picchu you will understand there's something they created that just it's an energy and it's an energy that I find very appealing and healing as well that's how I would describe it mm -hmm. yeah I guess it's difficult to put into words yeah yeah it's just a feeling that, that overwhelms you that there's something bigger than you and then Maybe the, the realization that you're only like this. A, a grain of sand. Yeah. A grain of sand in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> There's something liberating about being yeah, a grain yeah, of sand in the desert. Mm -hmm. You know, not everything is your responsibility. You're tiny. Things will happen that are not depending on you. And I think that's important to tell people to be prepared. You know, life has its own way and its own life. We don't control everything. And that's super important. You don't even choose your name. <laughs> you know <laughs> that's what I'm true. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even choose your name or your family or the place you're born. So what? What are you yeah. choosing? <clears throat> what do you study? Oh, big deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it's finding freedom in in restriction. Right. The yeah. It's kind of a paradox, but there's a Bjork song that she says. I think. Um, the less room you give me, the more space I have. <laughs> hmm. It's all in your mind. Less right? is more. Yeah, it's all inside of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I was wondering, um, because you've been through this cycle like multiple times, I think, with in new incoming international yeah, yeah, students yeah. and then outgoing international students. Uh, are you going to miss us? <laughs> Actually, because we'll definitely miss you. Actually, I will. Actually, is it, I will. is it hard? That was what I was trying to ask. Is it hard to say goodbye and then there are new people coming in every time? Listen, I've been a teacher for 20 years and the first day I'm always nervous. <laughs> that doesn't go away. And the last day is always sad. Yeah. That doesn't go away. Now, every generation is different and uh, sometimes you connect more, sometimes less, but just... This generation is after the pandemic. When you guys came here, we were wearing masks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that seems like a long time. It that seems like a yeah. long time, but it was just a couple yeah. of weeks yeah. ago, yeah. man. You can't yeah. forget that. Yeah. So for me, it was the first time I was teaching after two years. So I had no idea if I was going to be able to pull it off. Like I had panic attacks before classes. Really? Right. Yeah, because I... Imagine like not teaching some, or not working for two years and then suddenly, bam, you're on stage. Oh, wow. So I was freaking out. It was difficult. But meditation, my friends. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> meditated the hell of my, out of myself this semester. And uh, no, no, of course I'm going to miss you. You guys, I believe it's a very special generation. I could, You can see and you can sense the energy. And I, I sense that everybody got along. It was a very good vibe. You yeah. know, and I think you were genuinely interested in what I was teaching, and that's an exception most of the times. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to miss you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm going to miss everybody. Of course, we had a lot of fun. We yeah, did a lot of things. So, of course, there is a relationship there. Mm -hmm. You know, of, of course, it's an airplane, so everybody has to leave. But I, I'm not sad because I know that you remain in people's memories. And memories at 20 years old in Latin America are probably going to be the best memories of your life. <laughs> so I'm like, 
in the good Polaroid, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely think so. Yeah, 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 because you remember Chile and you're going to say when you're 40 or something, oh, remember yeah. when I went to Chile and this crazy teacher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Some of, you know? Yeah. So it's pretty cool to have that opportunity. Yeah. It's cool. I think we learned a lot uh, during the course, also during the field trips. Um, first, we went to uh, the fishermen. Yeah. Then we went to Valparaiso to look at the murals, which basically shows a re rebellion amongst Chileans against this Western uh, imposing culture that takes place here. Which yeah. you don't really see in Viña del Mar. Exactly, we don't. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. Before that, we went to the to the Ruka. Oh yes, true. Yeah, yeah, it was also really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's all about going to places that you wouldn't have gone otherwise. Definitely. Yeah. It's it's about fighting against tourism. Yeah, and make, yeah, it's... because my mom was here um, three days ago, <laughs> and uh, I thought, oh, what should I show my mom? And I went to the Fisherman's Cove, and they, uh, and my mom was here, and my aunt and my mom's niece, and they loved it. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was the best part of our day. Yeah, it's it's basically yeah. what we are, mm -hmm. and it's just being a traveler, not a tourist. Mm. That's what it is. Yeah, how would you describe the difference? A tourist knows where they're going but they have no idea where they've been. A traveler does not know where he's going or she's going and knows where they have been. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically, if you know your destination and nothing else, you're a tourist. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it works maybe the same in life if you have a very fixed goal that, 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 that it kind of I like avoids you from, from, from new experiences. Of... Different formulas work for different people. That's true. There's people that are very goal oriented and it works for them. That doesn't, that hasn't worked for me at all. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. To me, it's about, of course, you have to have a goal. You have to pursue something in terms of a career or something. You have to make some money to live. Definitely. But at the same time, um, for me, for instance, language is a passion. So language is a way to connect in the world. So whatever you do, find a passion, and that's the way you connect with the world, through your passion. That's going to make you invincible. Because otherwise, things come and go. That's why you have to continue this podcast. I'm sure your audience agrees. This is not the last, so. this is not uh, the last pointless podcast, people. I'm telling you, there's going to be more. There well, might be a comeback. There's yeah, going to be a and comeback. And we were definitely planning on making a, a one more episode when we are both in the Netherlands. Yeah, well, we can get back for a while. Oh, don't so. be selfish. You have an audience. I'm sure the audience wants more. <laughs> yes. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's you been know, a fun project. We didn't do it with any aspirations in mind or... It's, it's just been fun. That's the thing about art. It has a life of its own. You maybe have an idea, you begin the project, and then the project just has a life of its own. Yeah, and its meaning is, is different for everyone. Yeah. yeah. So you just let it continue flow because special things will happen. Uh, some good motivational words. Yeah. <laughs> Let's <laughs> see what we, we do now. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah continue. <laughs> By all means, continue. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, do you have any goals or... Anything like right for the future? Now, future <sighs> aspirations. You're working on a book? I'm working on a book. Yeah. 72 Names of God called the Shem HaMeforash huh. in Hebrew. And uh, it's a very special project that I'm working with extremely cool people around the world. So I'm very lucky to be involved in that project. What does it entail? Um, 
it's a very complicated technical thing, but I've just to sum it up, what I do in that book is I read Psalms from the Bible. The trick is that you have to read it in Hebrew and understand it in Hebrew. So I've been studying Hebrew for three years with a rabbi. And to make the story short, it's basically a way to connect with God or the universe or math or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. you know, nature. Yeah. It's a way to connect to the deity, if you will, and to become a better person through the study of and contemplation of names of God that are holy in the Jewish tradition. Why? I have no idea. It sounds cool. <laughs> but that's, what it, that's my whole point. Sometimes life brings you places that you had no idea you were going to be in. Mm. That's why you have to be open and be receptive, you know? So that's my goal for the short term. Um, I, I built my own house, not myself, but I, I built a house. So I live in the countryside. I planted 300 trees. So wow. that's basically, I live in nature. I go to bed at 8.30, I wake up at 6. <laughs> I don't have any TV. So it's basically living peace, as peacefully as possible. Um, that's a goal that I want now. And of course, traveling is in my plans, man. Yeah, where do you want to go next? Oh, I need to couch surf with every student I've ever had <laughs> around You're the world. You're definitely welcome. Yeah, welcome <laughs> in the Netherlands. I'm going to couch surf everywhere. <laughs> no, traveling will be my... And um, just basically continue um, studying languages, teaching, writing, and just enjoying life in a very simple way. I don't have a lot of expectations as to, you know, what's mm. going to happen next. No, just chill. Mm. Chill in Chile. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name of the episode. <laughs> yeah, chilled in Chile. Man. Thank you. Chill yeah. <laughs> uh, Good stuff. What else? Um, now that you're 20 and you're going to be older, what things would I have told myself, my 20-year-old self? Oh, yeah, mm. that's always a very good question. Go on. I would have, number one, I would say be more humble because the 20s is filled with that 20s energy where you think you're the owner of the world. Yes. And right. you're not. <laughs> Some sort of hubris. Yeah. Huh? Some sort of hubris. Yes, yeah. the hubris. <laughs> yeah, the hubris of the 20. Um, just basically, whatever you want to do, start now. That's the advice. I'm not saying this in a competitive way or anything. Just time doesn't fix anything. You fix it. Connect the dots of your life. Don't let circumstances connect the dots for you. Mm. You connect yourself. You make your choices and aware choices. You make those choices because you really want to do something. So connect the dots is basically a life-changing advice, I think. Make choices that are relevant to you and others. Keep your family close. I know that they're annoying, <laughs> but they're really important because if they're not here, you're going to miss the hell out of them. So those think about, make a list of the people that you will really miss when they're not gone and make a priority to stay in touch with them. And just, it's really important to reciprocate what we've, we've been given. Reciprocity is super, super important. 
I wish I would have known more of that when I was 20. All the rest, you're free to do whatever you want. You have a 20s pass. You will figure it out. Yeah, you'll figure it out on its own. Everybody, to each its own, you know? Everybody has its own way of figuring out things. But just keep it humble, keep it meaningful, reciprocity, all the non-cool stuff. Be good to your parents. Sounds like fair advice. Yeah. Definitely. And just parties are not a good look after 26. <laughs> So the whole party thing is fine in 20s, but don't get over, don't overdo it because it's going to waste a lot of money and time and effort. Instead, just spend your time and energy in your passion, creating something, whatever that is, whatever that means to you. Yeah. Par partying just gives uh, short-term satisfaction, really. Yeah. Yeah. And with, I mean, a life based in pleasure, pleasure goes away. It's mm -hmm. temporary. Yep. A life built on purpose lasts longer, you know? So the choices are, are, are very clear to me. But that's something that you will understand as you grow older. You, have, you will have less uh, uh, hormones <laughs> than in your <laughs> 20s, so it's going to be easier. You're going to be more chilled. Cool. <laughs> I think those are good words to end this um, podcast series with. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Manuel, for being here. Guys, thank, thank you, you for having much. me and saying hi to all the pointless podcasters. Oi! <laughs> so Big you, up. You guys write them because this is not going to be the last episode. <laughs> hey, guys. It was amazing having you in yeah. my podcast. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thanks, Manuel. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. ciao. See you guys. Ciao.